This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. win over South Dakota. The Coyotes have come and gone. Now the Sooners look west towards UCLA. Uh, we'll talk about UCLA maybe just a little bit. We'll have more of a, of a preview of that coming up on Thursday. But Oklahoma, uh, really an impressive performance offensively. You would expect that going against an FCS school. Sooners with 70 points on the nine. Now seven of those were on the defensive side of the ball with uh, Buki getting an interception and running it to the house. But Altogether, it's the first time Oklahoma has scored 70 points since they played um, North Texas in the 2007 season. Welcome to the Vivid Seats Studios. He's Rich. I'm Matt. Let's break this game down just a little bit. Rich, um, one thing that I, I take note of on this is a week after Oklahoma has 10 players catch a pass against Houston, they have 11 catch a pass against South Dakota 423 total passing yards, six touchdowns through the air. Uh, share with me some of your thoughts on this offense. Yeah, I think a lot of it goes towards the depth that Oklahoma, one, has at the receiver position, as well as some of the other skill positions. But then you look at how far they reached into that depth chart in order to pull some of the talent, get some of these guys some reps, especially at the quarterback position. Just on an overall scale, one thing that, that I'm taking away <laughs> is Spencer Rattler truly is the future. I, I thought he lived up to the hype that has been given to him throughout his time where, where people, one from when he signed, now where people have continuously placed these expectations on him. But also you got to look at the, the young receivers mm -hmm. as well. This is a very talented team and will be a very talented team for the foreseeable future, again, we've got Jalen Hurts now, but even looking beyond just this season, Oklahoma appears to be set on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, Spencer Rattler, 4-4 on the night, 50 yards. He did have a touchdown pass. Tanner Mordecai, 6 of 8 for 114 and two scores. I was kind of happy for Mordecai after, you know, kind of a subpar performance uh, last week and his only, uh, only one pass attempt. Against Houston, but again, the, the the offense, the focal point of the offense remains to be Jalen Hurts, 14 of 18, 259 yards, three touchdowns. Also, he only ran it eight times, which is to me is still a lot, but I'm a lot more comfortable with the uh, with well, the with the eight rushing attempts here, as opposed to 16. Here's what you've got to do, in my opinion, is go ahead and double that number because Jalen Hurts only played the first half, That's was pulled right. pretty early there in the third quarter. Play, I believe it was one series before they pulled him and inserted Mordecai into that equation. So I'm going to go ahead and double that and say that he's, he's on par for the 16th yeah, game I, at this point. I, I mean, I, I don't know. You, you could, that's a, that's a fair point, but um, so I still look at this. I, I see, you know, Trey Sermon, nine carries, Kennedy Brooks, six carries. And again, 
good point. They they didn't play the whole game. You know, they they that the starting offense got one one drive in the third quarter, and then you start subbing guys out and and start looking at some of your your youngsters. Um, I I I don't. I mean, thirty passing attempts, thirty nine rushing attempts. I'm okay with that from this standpoint. If you take out the eight runs, you're still a little bit heavy. Uh, the eight runs from Jalen Hurts, you're still a little bit heavy uh, on that. Um, you had um, Spencer Rattler had two carries, so that puts you at 29. So it's almost a, a, a take away the quarterback run. I'm looking to see if Tanner Mordecai. I don't I don't remember him running, but take away the quarterback run, you, you're almost 50-50 and run pass. You know, on your on your on your you balance with your offense, and and I'm I'm in favor of that. I agree 100% about Spencer Rattler, but Jalen Hurts, what, what I liked with him, I'm, I'm kind of steer back around to that. What I liked tonight is we saw him throw the ball downfield with guys who were not wide open. You know, now there was one ugly one that went to Grant Calcutta that could have been picked and it wasn't. But, you know, the deep pass to, um, uh, to CeeDee Lamb, where Lamb kind of falls down and catching it. Those are the type of plays that he's going to have to get more and more comfortable making, and we saw him take a step towards that tonight where we didn't see it in the opener against Houston. One thing you had mentioned as we were previewing this game was that very specific stat in that you would like to have seen Jalen Hurts stretch the field vertically by throwing those down the field. I said it wasn't absolutely necessary, but again, we did – see that tonight the one knock against Jalen Hurts for me at this point in time is that it does seem when things break down that his first inclination is is to run now he's running with his eyes up but it doesn't seem as though he's willing to throw the ball and I don't know if that comes down to a confidence issue if the coverage is just that good when you're watching it on TV they're showing who is carrying the ball they're not showing the coverage downfield so there could be a couple of different things at play here, but I would like to see, even if he's just extending a play towards the sideline, instead of crossing that line of scrimmage, looking for these receivers who are experienced in a CD lamb, working back towards the ball and trying to make a connection right. with them. Even if it's instead of a 20 yard throw, you're, you're looking inside that 10 or right around the sticks at the, at the sideline. That's what the one knock for me is against Jalen Hurts still at this point. In time, but I'm sure that he'll continue to progress as he does have, in my opinion, the best quarterbacks coach in the country. Oh, I'm no doubt about that. Three receivers for Oklahoma uh, with the one reception for at least 40 yards or more. Five different receivers with a, a reception of 30 yards or more. Amongst those five receivers are the three freshmen: uh, Hazelwood, Bridges, and Weiss. Uh, Weiss with uh, 37 yards is his long. Uh, Bridges 33, Hazelwood 49. All three of them scored tonight. Mm -hmm. I expect, I expect after the UCLA game for this receivers, this this list of guys who catch passes, I expect them to kind of begin to dwindle from eleven, ten to seven or so. You see these guys as players right now. I mean, when you when you look at the, the how deep this receiving core is, you look at Ceedee Lamb, six catches, one hundred forty four yards. He could have had five hundred yards of offenses by himself tonight if that they wanted to do that. We we talked about Grant Calcaterra. He's missing. He's not on this list. He didn't catch a pass tonight. Um, <laughs> I'm getting too excited. No, 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 you're, you're bumping it. Um, bumping oh, the sorry. Um, and so, you know, you think about that. Um, Charleston Rambo, three catches. Well, these young guys, the, the three guys that caught touchdown passes tonight, and then you throw in the Stogner, 
had two catches for 15 yards. As this season wears on, do you see those guys being key contributors in this offense, or do you think they will be tapered back? I see Hazelwood as, as the best of the bunch right now. When we look at the younger guys or the first-year players at the University of Oklahoma who are at that receiver position or who are in just in a general position to be eligible to catch a pass, the one wrench in this whole cog for me is the name Jeremiah Hall. Mm-hmm. And because I do expect a lot of the versatility from him, we may see him. I'm not saying that he's going to be out spread out wide as a wide receiver, but he he's that kind of guy that you like on this roster, especially in this system. When we look back, we've had those players in the past. I know Trey Millard, Millard, however you would like to say that, really set the tone in those expectations. You can go back even to the tight end position with Jermaine Gresham at that point in time and look at the progression and the versatility that they've brought in guys who have that soft touch and have the know-how to turn upfield and get the most of each opportunity. Like I said, Jeremiah Hall being the wrench in this entire cog, I think he's going to be the reason that we see those numbers start to dwindle. Otherwise, with these guys who are very capable, you do have to take into account some of them are only going to play four games. So they'll automatically remove themselves from the equation because the coaching staff will use that red shirt in order to preserve their eligibility for the future. Running backs, um, three running backs score touchdowns uh, tonight um, with uh, Trey Sermon going for one, Kenny Burks going for one, and Ramondre Stevenson going for one. Now, Stevenson, some sort of hand injury, not sure what's going on there, but are you ready to come on board with me now on Ramondre Stevenson? (laughs) Because we're watching the game together and I keep looking at you. Uh, 75-yard touchdown run for him tonight. 104 yards, six carries. I called this. I, I mean, I got to – I got to – you know, you know me. I, I like to say I was right on, on certain things. When we did the pregame podcast uh, Thursday night to kind of preview this, I said Ramondre Stevenson would be the leading rusher tonight, and, and he exactly was that. Give me your thoughts on Ramondre Stevenson. Big-bodied guy who has the ability to play every single down, especially with the speed, Matt. I know you talk about the athleticism and the bruising-type runner that he is, the comparisons that you have made. I'll let you say in your own words. But when you look at this guy, he is an all-purpose back. He's a guy that you could see when we lose Trey Sermon, when we lose Kennedy Brooks, taking over and, and being the feature back in this system because of that skill set and because of the size. It's Ramondre Stevenson is a very unique body for that position with that skill set. You just don't see that very often. Am I ready to come on board and say he's the best running back on the well, roster? Well, I've never said that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I know. I'm just saying I don't think he's quite there yet. I still peg him at four deep on the depth chart. You're saying three. If TJ Pledger, when I should say TJ Pledger comes back, I think he assumes the role as the the third on that depth chart, and we see him as well as Stevenson next year take over the roles that we're seeing Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon carry right now. Well, I'm a um, I'm a firm believer that you don't lose your starting position due to injury. I I, I mean I, I'm if are your position on the depth chart due to injury. I, I believe that, but all that said, I mean when you when you've seen 
the last two weeks with Ramondre Stevenson. Is I mean, he just a freshman? No, no, no. He's a junior college transfer. Okay. Um, I'm just saying, how do you keep him off the field? I, I get it. He's not going to take he's not going to take carries away right. from Trey Sermon. So, he's not going to take carries away from Kennedy Brooks. But here's I mean, Ledger's sitting out with some sort of injury himself. So here's where I think Stevenson shines is in the fourth quarter. I I think you could see him replace a guy like Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks on this current roster in the fourth quarter and be that one guy that Oklahoma continuously relies on that Oklahoma continuously hands the ball to. And it, like I said, it's because of that, the strength, the size, the ability to absorb hits and keep on going. I don't know if you noticed, but it wasn't just an individual tackling Stevenson tonight. Mm -hmm. It, It took a group, two, if not three people consistently to bring him down. And when a defense is completely worn out, he's your star running back. Right. Absolutely no questions asked for me. And I think we saw that against Houston. I think we're going to see that again next week against UCLA, who I've got my own thoughts on that are rapidly changing. We'll we'll get to that. We'll we'll get to that. And then when you get into conference play too, who was the running back from Texas A&M? It was Um, a little bowling ball. Yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about. Toombs. Toombs was his name. Was it? Yeah, they could go Toombs every time he got the ball. <laughs> hey, uh, it wasn't all good for Oklahoma's offense. We're going to jump into that. we got to uh, hit our, our first break. Uh, he's Rich. I'm Matt. You're listening to the Sooner Nation podcast. Uh, post-game podcast, Oklahoma 70. I almost started to say South Carolina. South Dakota 14. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, um, uh, welcome back to the post-game podcast. I just lost my thought. Um, you, you were talking about um, Ramondre Stevenson and the number of guys it takes, uh, it takes to bring him down. How about Theo Weiss on his touchdown? I counted it. They replayed mm-hmm. it after the game. I counted seven guys. Seven guys made – this is a true freshman. Seven guys made contact with him on his way to the end zone. Uh, 37-yard touchdown pass. Um, from Tanner Mordecai, let's talk real fast um, some negatives from the offense, and it's got to be the left side of the offensive line. That I was a struggle. The struggle was it there. It wasn't just the, the left side. Um, I thought, I will say Well, this, it was mostly the left side. I thought the left side did better in pass protection this week for sure. But the penalties continuously stacked up, and those were coming all over the field. If you remember during the broadcast last we Oklahoma had seven penalties. They had that in the first half. That was for the duration against Houston. They had that in the first half this week, and a lot of it was the, the false star. A lot of it was well, holding, false start holding. Yeah, so and that left was, side. I mean, yeah, it, and, and Bill Beatonbow has his work cut out for him to try to figure out what's going on there. Again, you're out, you're out west, right? UCLA next week, and then you got a week off, and then and then. Texas Tech's no joke. I mean, that's that's a that will be an offense on par or maybe even better than what Oklahoma faced at against Houston. So 
you start off, you know, conference play with that game. Um, it they've got to figure it out. They got to figure it out because we saw the holding penalties kill drives tonight. We saw false starts kind of slow them down a little bit. Once you get into those Big 12 shootout type games, you can't make mistakes like that. Right. And <laughs> unfortunately, I think when you hit conference play, you are going to see teams who begin to take advantage of that. Granted, against a team like South Dakota, who was essentially a last-minute fill-in for some Power 5 conference player who decided to back out of talks and a potential agreement to play in Norman against the University of Oklahoma. You look at uh, an opponent who's a little bit of a, a lesser talent, doesn't have the depth, doesn't have the speed, doesn't have the caliber of athlete that these Power 5 conferences do across the board, and the mistakes aren't as costly, but they are noticeable. Like I said, when we get into Big 12 play and teams can start hurting you mm -hmm. because of that, man, you you just don't want to give up points because of a foolish mistake on defense or on offense. Well, I think next week is when we really see uh, defenses begin. I wrote this in the quick recap. Next week is when we begin to see defenses bring pressure from the left. I mean, it, it's coming. It's when you um, when you see that on film two weeks in a row, you begin to test it out. Right. And so I, I think we see that start you next week. Any final thoughts on the offense before we switch sides of the ball? No, no, not on the offense at all, but I've got a handful on defense, so let's switch them over. Okay, so let, let's go to defense real fast. Oklahoma, last week they hold the uh, quarterback under 200 yards passing. Uh, this this week they gave up 269 yards through the air, but they held South Dakota to just 79 rushing yards on 25 attempts. Longest uh, longest run of the day was from the quarterback Simmons, 19 yards. No touchdowns on the ground. Both touchdowns came through the air. But this is a team that that again Alex Grinch has said, and they said it post game uh, last week against Houston that it's it's all about the turnovers. That way they they want they demand. Two turnovers a game, so I mean they should be at four. They're at three. They got three tonight. No turnovers last week, but three, including the big six from Buki, who, you know, we going back to preseason podcast, we talked about Buki in the nickel position. Gives him the ability to really kind of hone in on his instincts. He's got that natural instinct to find the play, find the ball. We saw him with two big plays tonight. One was the interception, he ran for a touchdown, and the other one was kind of where he blew up the option play. Um it's 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 FCS, okay? It's South Dakota. It's not Houston. It's not Texas Tech. It's not Oklahoma State. But you got to say there's improvement. Week one to week two, improvement with the defense. Yeah, definitely. When you talk about preaching turnovers and finally to come up with a couple of those, not just a couple, a trio of turnovers, I, I think you'll take that any day of the week. I wanted to point out Davis at that corner position coming in in relief. Mm -hmm. Impressive outing for him. Uh, I think he he definitely is going to continue to compete. He's definitely going to rise through the ranks. Is he going to take over the starting role this year? I don't expect him to, but here's what I'll say about the defense and specifically about Brennan Radley Hiles was we've been so high on his instincts. And last year, I thought midway through the season, we, we saw him start – to hit a little bit of his stride, and then it all fell apart. It was that first six games was why he was a midseason uh, freshman All-American. It's He has that type of talent in him, and a lot of that is because 
of those instincts. Tonight, we saw him utilize those in a positive way and actually come up with the fumble recovery, mm -hmm. that pick six that you're talking about, just being able to mix it up and make these offensive players be aware of where he's at on the field is going to be huge for a guy of his stature, number one, but his quickness and those instincts are, are what he's going to have to continuously re rely on. And when it pays dividends, like the two turnovers he got, all you can do is applaud a kid like that, especially after the latter half of last yeah, season right. and kind of the demise of this five-star I don't want to call him the savior of the defense, but this five-star talent who could be the anchor for the secondary in the future. Yeah, Oklahoma's defense, only two sacks tonight. Uh, South Dakota did a good job of getting the ball, getting rid of the ball, okay? Mm -hmm. But eight tackles for loss altogether. So what, what that you mean, you, you've got a quarterback who sometimes just has to dump it somebody real fast, and Oklahoma's still tackling behind the line of scrimmage. Again, it's not a sack, but if you get a tackle for loss, it, it's – it's almost just as good because you're losing it down, you're losing yardage if you're the offense, and so you want to see those eight tackles for loss for Oklahoma tonight. How about Patrick Fields being the leading tackler tonight? Uh, six total tackles for him. Mm -hmm. Justin Broyles popping in there. Uh, Justin Broyles, uh, Meade, and Kenneth Murray all with four tackles, uh, kind of the second. And then and then it's just a, a slew of guys. Oklahoma, I haven't looked, uh, added up on the participation report. I, I haven't counted uh, how many guys got in on the game tonight, but there was a ton of guys who played on the defensive side of the ball, but most of those into the, the late third quarter, um, five minutes and some change left before South Dakota finally finds their way into the end zone. Defensively, I, I, I again, it's an FCF school. you got to keep that in mind, okay? Mm -hmm. But two solid performances from Oklahoma's defense back-to-back -back weeks. You see them take a step forward, which they should have. Now you've got to get a turnover. You've got to get eight tackles for loss. You've got to keep this relentless pressure on either. What Oklahoma's done in the last two weeks, This don't, don't overlook this. Against Houston, they took away the passing game. Against South Dakota, they took away the running game. The ability to make a team one-dimensional, that's got to carry over, and you've got to see them do that now against, you know, again, UCLA. Your, your first Power 5 team is coming up, you, you got to make some noise against them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I will say you're talking about the progression of the defense here. One thing that I liked was last week we saw all the pressure coming from from the edges. Mm -hmm. When we talk about getting into the backfield, making plays, getting a quarterback hurry, a lot of that was coming from from the edges. This week I saw a little bit more of that coming from the middle, whether that was a designed blitz or just a bull rush from Neville Gallimore, a big body, again, take into account an FCS school and the weight difference um, and the strength and conditioning programs, the difference is there. But needless to say, being able to get that pressure in the middle or I, I don't want to call it a delayed blitz because it wasn't at all, but waiting for that hole, finding that hole, and then watching Kenneth Murray splint, sprint, not splint, sprint, yeah, <laughs> sprint through that. Now, I, I've got to give credit here, um, and I just blanked on his name, the quarterback for South Dakota. Simmons. With the experience that Simmons has as a senior, was able to move around in the pocket, was able to make some guys miss, and even take off at, at the right time. So, again, the one thing I didn't like with the defense, if I, if I had to look at that side of the coin, was we saw another offensive scheme being able to take advantage of some of this aggressiveness 
of Oklahoma. It wasn't as costly as it was because you don't have that dynamic playmaker named Derek King at the quarterback position against you once again. But I, I do expect them to continue to be aggressive, and I expect it to pay dividends, one. But at times, a quarterback is going to be able to get out of that and make Oklahoma pay. It just can't be for 40 yards. And I don't think we saw that tonight, but we saw Simmons scramble and, and get first downs here and there. Yeah, we're going to come right back to that because I've got some thoughts on that. Uh, you listen to the Sooner Nation uh, podcast, the online podcast for Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com as we can find it. It's Oklahoma 70, South Dakota 14. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Vivid Seats studio. Uh, Oklahoma going to UCLA next week. We're going to jump into that for just a, just a quick second. Uh, if you don't have your tickets and you want tickets, Vivid Seats, that, that's your place to go. That's where you can uh, pick them up. Hey, you, you were talking before that break about this defense and, um, and, and, and really teams being able to kind of take, take advantage of some of the aggressiveness. That's, that's really the, that's the drawback to an aggressive style defense. Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to happen. It's a risk reward. Right. And, and what Oklahoma is looking at doing is can, can we get the reward over the risk, they're they're going to get beaten. There, there's got there's going to be guys that are are going to be able to beat them for plays. And the, the thing is, can you can you be okay with giving up a big play here and there if you're forcing three turnovers, if you're getting the the three and outs, if you're making the team? You know what I'm saying? So right. if, if you're if you're turning the ball over, be it by punt or be it by interception or be it by fumble, we saw all three of those tonight. If you're consistently doing that throughout the game. Because we all know once you get in the big football, you play for stops, right? You don't you don't play for shutouts, you play for stops. You get those stops. That's the reward. Now the risk is you're gonna give up a, a big play here and there. And I firmly believe we're gonna see that as the season progresses. But so far, through Houston, Derek King, uh, one of the better quarterbacks Oklahoma will play this season, and then the Simmons kid tonight at FCS level. Um hey, that, that Cody uh that kid that what's his name the receiver yeah. uh, uh Cody King is that his name no not King no what's his name Case Cody Case kid's a baller man six catches 68 yards what you're you're going to give up plays and and you're going to as you see a a a a a step up in um in talent you're going to see more of those plays come to come to fruition. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's something I, I completely agree with you, risk versus reward. Like I said, you when you stick a kid on an island out there as you rush and try to get to the quarterback or you use that aggressiveness and try to make noise in the backfield and you put these kids on an island, you just have to trust that they're going to make that play. It's when they don't, like I said, that it turns into a 45 or so yard gain, and that's not what I want to see happen. I'm okay with the pass being complete. I'm okay with it going for the first down. You just don't want it to go for more yards right. than what it should have gone for on that gamble. And each time, if you're sending a slew of guys towards the backfield, towards the quarterback, trying to blow up that play, that is the risk that you're willing to take, and you've got to be okay with the result of that that 10 or 15 yard. Right. Game. Well, that, but that's why you you mentioned pressure up the middle with Neville Gallimore or Marquise Overton or whoever's coming up the middle. That's why it's important that those guys do exactly 
what you said you noticed tonight. It happened last week as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't as noticeable last week because there's guys getting pressure up the middle. But King was just such a a gifted athlete that um, that it just you know it 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 washes it out right. a little well, bit. You know that's what I'm but, saying is he's such a dynamic playmaker. But if you can make that if you can make that pressure happen up the middle, if you can blow it up to the middle, you force the play to one of the sides. And really, the quarterback doesn't always get to pick which side it goes to because it goes right. to whichever he, you know, whichever he can step to the quickest. Typically, a quarterback, if you watch if you watch football, typically a quarterback's going to spin opposite hand. So if he's a right-handed quarterback, he's going to spin to his left. That's typically what's going to happen. But, it, but from that from that point forward, the play is broken down, and that's that's the havoc that you want to create. If you can do that consistently up the middle, it. it keeps those guys off the island as much as what you're saying. But that said, guys on the island, second week in a row, second week in a row, we haven't seen busted coverages. You saw one in the last touchdown because the kid fell down. But really, with that starting unit defense, you didn't see guys, you didn't see a safety looking at the cornerback or the cornerback looking at the safety going, I thought you had it. No, I thought you had it. Right. I released it. You didn't see that right. second week in a row. You, you didn't see a bunch of pass interference feelings because guys were getting burnt. You didn't see a quarterback standing in the pocket, you know, for a quarter and a half with time to throw. You know, those are the things that that, that as your defense transitions, mm-hmm. you want to continually go uh, every week without seeing those type of mistakes. Right. Now, there were some tackles. There were some missed tackles. There were some tackling issues. Again, I, if you listen to our podcast, if, you, you know, if you've been with us for a while, you know that we've talked about habits are hard to break. And I think that goes back to Jalen Hurts as well, something you said when we're talking about offense, about Jalen Hurts, just kind of squeezing the ball and tucking and running. Again, habits are hard to break. You know, for, for all his time at Alabama, he was coached, don't make a mistake. We've got a great defense. We play in the SEC. We can run the ball right, on anybody. No, no turnovers. Don't make a mistake. And so now Lincoln Riley needs him to change his mentality a little bit to take those gambles, to take those risks, and trust the receivers. We saw a first step in that. We did. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Here's what we don't know after tonight. We still don't know about the kicking game. And I, and I wrote in – I wrote. I, I mean, I wrote – there, And there was no opportunity. No, that's what I'm saying. I wrote in my players to watch. I had Callum Sutherland there because we need to know if this kid can make a field goal or not. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and, and when when – I don't want to know that. I don't want to know that in crunch time. I want to find that out on 70 to 14. And and I know it, it's it's so far out there. It's not logical. But, man, kick a field goal on third down just to see if he can do it. Well, let, let me say this, is that him getting in there with the, the extra points, I think does a, a lot to boost that confidence. You talk about getting a quarterback confidence in a, in a hostile environment. Right. is by allowing him to make these short, quick throws and completing them, knowing that they still have this quote-unquote connection mm. with whoever the intended receiver is. That way it builds that confidence, and now we're pushing the ball vertically and looking at those same receivers. I, I feel like the same thing goes for the kicker with these little chip shots that are right in the middle of the field, that are the extra points. Hopefully kicking <laughs> seven, no, ten of those tonight should boost that confidence of Sutherland, and now I know that Lincoln Riley has even said, "Look, I shouldn't have put him in that position." In which I strongly disagree with. I did, 
Yeah. I it's, know that you're a kicker, man. That's your job. Go kick is. a field goal. You're, you're right, but that's a long field I goal. don't care. You're on scholarship to kick that field goal. <laughs> is he on scholarship? Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying, go kick the field goal. Go go do what you're here to do. But that that's just me. Let's yeah. take let's take our last time out, and then we got to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about UCLA. Uh, we'll get more into that as the week moves on, and then the Big 12 rundown. And he is Rich. I'm Matt. Find us on on Twitter at Sports Heartland at Sports Heartland on Twitter. We'll be right back. Okay, Oklahoma now two and zero. They defend the home turf. Um, now that they, they move out west, they, they they go on the road to play UCLA. Now, Rich, you know this is coming, man. I I told you I'm coming at you on this because you and I have strongly disagreed. I remember I'm in Central America. You're here in the United States, and we're doing this thing through internet lines, and we're disagreeing over the most difficult of Oklahoma's non-conference games. Now we knew we knew South Dakota was was the bottom. I had Houston as the most difficult. You stuck to your guns, even after I tried and tried and tried to tell you what a bad team UCLA was. You you stuck to your guns. Good good to you. Uh, but this is a bad team, man. They, they lost to Cincinnati. They lost to San Diego State. 0-2 hosting Oklahoma. Uh, one more time before we get into, uh, into previewing this game throughout the week. One more time, your thoughts. Are you willing to change or are you sticking to your guns hey, one more time? Let, let me say this about Cincinnati. I expected Cincinnati to give teams trouble because they were a top-10 defense last year. You don't go in to places, whether it's on the road or defending home turf, and just throw that to the wayside. I expected Cincinnati to give people trouble. I was willing to write that off with UCLA. This week, however, I cannot do that. And Matt, I am coming around to your side of the fence. It took me a while, but but I'm there with you. At 0-2, UCLA is just, I thought on paper, that they would be a better team than what they've actually shown via the eye test. And you have to go with the eye test over what you've seen on paper. And to reiterate what you have said, UCLA is just not a good football team. It doesn't matter if they're playing at home or on the road. I expect Oklahoma to simply have their way once again next week if they want to run the ball or if they want to throw it. They, they will be successful. But here's the thing. The, the eye test was bad. I mean, this was a bad UCLA team last year, and they're bringing pretty much everyone back this year. Plus, they lost Caleb Wilson, who's now catching passes from Kyler Murray. Um, 200, they, they lost 22, uh, 23 to 14 to San Diego State. Um, 199 yards in the air, 261 total yards of offense for UCLA. Only 62 rushing yards on 32 attempts. That tells me this is a bad offensive line. If, I, if I'm Oklahoma, man, I'm seeing this, and I'm like, whoo, okay, this is going to be fun. But you got to keep it clean. I mean, you, you, gotta, you, gotta, you can't, you're going on the road, and that's where I think your point was this is a, a road test. And it's not just like you're going to Lubbock, Texas. You're going West Coast. <laughs> right. I mean, you're taking a road Time trip, zones. playing, playing in, the, in, the, uh, in the Rose Bowl. So this is a game where you got to have your head in it. But you're right. Opportunity awaits Oklahoma next week at UCLA. I, I said Jalen Hurts would have a 500-yard game against Houston, and he would be kind of in the forefront of the Heisman talk. Um, he pulled even with Tua. He pulled even with Trevor Lawrence. Um, I, I said the second week would he? I, I, he played more than I thought he would play to, uh, against <laughs> against San Diego. 
But I, I'm looking at another 500-yard performance potentially for Jalen Hurts again. With that West Coast media, it's there for Jalen Hurts. Oklahoma starts out next week, That two of the next three on the road. Um, the good news is those two road games are at UCLA and at Kansas with um, Texas Tech in between. I, I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you on that. I mean, I, it's it's a bad team, man. It's it's yeah. I mean, you're supposed to you're supposed to start out okay, get better, and then better as far as your yeah, non-conference. They start out with the best, they went to the worst, and now they're like, meh. Check it out. These are the types of starts we expect from cellar dwellers of each conference, a la Kansas here in the Big 12. If you wanted to look out west at the Pac-12, there are a handful of teams that you could throw in there and just say that, yeah, we, we expect them to get a couple of wins, four wins max in the season. UCLA has definitely got to be in that pile. It's, they've got to be lumped in with those kinds of teams at this point in time. Yeah, no, no doubt. All right, um, let's let's go through the Big Twelve rundown. Uh, looking at scores here, um, Oklahoma does what they're supposed to do, seventy to fourteen over uh, South Dakota. Oklahoma State wins big as well. Um, the Cowboys win fifty six fourteen over McNeese. Texas Tech 38-3 over UTEP. Kansas loses to Coastal Carolina. The Jayhawks, you know, they, that that high of one season. Um, and I don't know if Coastal, Coastal Carolina can't kick extra points. I mean, it could be worse. We're talking about Callum Sutherland. Uh, Coastal Carolina with, uh, looks like two touchdowns, one in the second, one in the third quarter, 12-7. Uh, Baylor 63-14 over UTSA. West Virginia, I was wrong. You know, I, I, I touted out earlier when I was right about Ramondre Stevenson. Totally wrong about the Mountaineers. I thought that they would they would come off that James Madison win and and beat a Missouri team that lost to Wyoming the previous week. But Missouri just had their way with uh, West Virginia. It's going to be a long season uh, for our friends up in Morgantown. Kansas State has impressed me, Rich. Two two weeks in a row now with big wins, fifty two to nothing over Bowling Green. Is this just taking advantage of non conference scheduling? Or are the uh, the Wildcats a team that you kind of got to go, huh? I, I mean, I'm going to move them up this week in power rankings. I just want right. you to know that with the wins that they've put out there, I've been impressed. It's not I, that they're winning, but they're winning big. 49 to 14 over Nichols, 52 to nothing over Bowling Green. Next week at Mississippi State, we'll learn mm-hmm. a little bit more there, maybe. I'm not certain where Kansas State falls when it comes to conference power rankings at this point in time. Because they have put up impressive numbers on the scoreboard at this point in time. And it's not like they're all coming in the fourth quarter or in the first quarter. It's it's spread throughout the duration of each of their contests. Now, we were listening to the broadcast for Oklahoma. They haven't mentioned this score. And say they said that Bill Snyder would have been happy with them, quote-unquote, running the score up. But 14 points in the second half doesn't seem like anyone running the score up to me. Needless to say... We are going to learn quite a bit about this team. For now, we, Matt, I think when we talk about Kansas State, we expect a disciplined football, but we also expect an older player. Right. By virtue of the number of transfers that they had taken in in the past. You talk about maturity. You talk about the discipline level of someone who's not 18 or 19 years old stepping onto the field for the very first time. These are guys who have been doing it. So I think the experience and that discipline is what's led to these numbers. 
so far, but when they meet a team that is far more talented than they are, we I'm not saying that Mississippi State's far more talented, but when they meet an equal opponent, you're right. We, we are going to learn quite a bit about this team. I, for one, am in the same boat and moving them up this week in the power rankings, but they could quickly fall back to number eight for me oh. looking, <laughs> looking ahead. Who do you, who do you have? Um, spoiler alert here, number 10. We mm-hmm. kind of had some, amongst our Heartland Sports writers, we had some text messages going back. Yeah. Uh, number 10, Kansas, I West Virginia. Kansas. All right, so yeah. 9 and 10 will be West Virginia and Kansas, Kansas for you. Right. Okay, Big 12 game of the week this week. Uh, number 6, LSU at number 9, Texas. Uh, the Longhorns go down 45 to 38. I got all kinds of questions about this game. I watched, uh, you know, kind of going back and forth. I, I, we watched... Most of the fourth quarter uh, after the OU game ended, um, I, I mean, I, again, I, it just, you know what I watched tonight, Rich? When I watched this, you know what I saw? No, tell me. I saw a Big 12 game. We, and you and I have talked about this. We, we've been going over this for <clears throat> a couple seasons now as the SEC prides itself in defense. And we've talked about the spread offense moving into the SEC. Now LSU's kind of taken on, and we saw them put up 45 points on Texas. But we also saw them give up 38. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's exactly, a Big 12 game. Exactly. And one of the biggest arguments has been they don't play defense in the Big 12. I think we are seeing that shift in mentality. Has it taken root in the SEC? No, but it's slowly spreading like a small a little disease or sickness right. and the the epicenter of this disease has been Tuscaloosa because of the success that we've seen with Alabama implementing that spread but still playing consistent and hard hitting defense it's ridden they've been able to ride that type of a system into the college football playoff consistently. Georgia, with Kirby Smart at the helm, is starting to adopt that. LSU is adopting that, but it also means for me um, the the wealth of talent that was spread out is is going to be a little bit more thin when it comes specifically. What I'm looking at is is the skill position players on offense. Now the SEC's consistently had quality receivers and quality running backs. They've had few a few quality top top tier quarterbacks come through the ranks as well but I think we're going to see that number start to slide upwards when it comes to the NFL draft and quarterbacks that are coming out of the SEC once again check this out uh, 573 total yards of offense for LSU 530 total yards of offense for Texas LSU they, I mean, and, and this is a Texas team without a running back well, yeah, right. but but that's that's, that's, that's where I'm going. LSU, the you know one of the flagship programs of the SEC, and we're talking about traditional SEC football. Right. Run the ball, what play you defense. That, that nine to six national championship game. A hundred and two, a <laughs> hundred and two total rushing yards right. for LSU. Mm-hmm. That that's just that's nuts to me. And people, we we got some pushback when we were talking the last two seasons about the spread offense moving. Into the SEC, we got some pushback on it. Even some Twitter bullies kind of coming at us a little bit. But I, hey, you you can't you can't ignore these results. Now the questions I have are this: is how bad are these two defenses? I mean, this is a this is a Texas team that has no running back depth. They've got a quarterback who's not not the most accurate guy in the world. He he throws for 409 yards. You got an LSU team that's just making that transition from. Mm-hmm. 
from the traditional SEC style of offense to the spread. And you, you've got, you know, almost 900 yards of offense between these two teams, a plethora of points. It comes down to an onside kick. If you're Texas, I got questions about your secondary. It didn't come I, down to an onside kick, but I'll let that one slide. It did come down to an onside Man, kick. It was that fourth, the fourth down okay, touchdown. I, the, the one that was dropped. Yes. I, I, okay, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go with you on that. If you're Texas, you're, you're looking at this game, and, and the strength was supposed to be this defensive secondary for Texas, and they got totally torched tonight by an LSU team that I don't think has the receivers that some of these other Big 12 schools have. I mean, Oklahoma State, they've got good receivers. Oklahoma has good receivers. Texas Tech has good receivers. I, I, I mean, if I'm Texas, I'm disappointed. I'm upset. I'm frustrated. I'm maybe even angry over this loss. I will tell you this, crying Texas kid is the best thing on Twitter right now. But I, I'm looking at going, I, I just gave 409 passing yards to the SEC. What is the Big 12 going to bring to Texas? Now, this is Texas. And all of their arrogance, they're going to say, well, it was the SEC. We, we played a big game. You know what? You can't have it both ways. You can't say you, you won the Sugar Bowl and then and then make an excuse for losing uh, you know, a regular season game. And guess what? The Sugar Bowl wasn't in Austin, Texas. You had the number six team in the nation in your backyard on your home field, and you lost. So I don't, I don't want to hear – the well, because I've already seen it on Twitter. Well, we didn't play Mississippi State. Well, we didn't play South Dakota. You know, we played LSU. Great. You know what? You lost. I, I don't care. You you lost. And and you you can't have this back and forth about. Here's the argument. Here's what's stupid about this whole thing. And Texas fans don't want to talk about this. Hey, can we record a podcast without me going on a Texas rant? I don't think it's possible. Texas fans, they, they, they do this all the time. What, what do they want to talk about postseason? They want to talk about the fact that they won their bowl game and OU lost, as if winning the Sugar Bowl equals what Oklahoma did in the college football playoff. Yeah, Oklahoma lost in the quarter and the semifinals of the college football playoff. Texas won the Sugar Bowl. Those are not equal. And if you're gonna if you're gonna hold on to that argument, then I'm sorry. Oklahoma won tonight. Oklahoma State won tonight. Texas lost. I mean, that argument goes both ways. Yeah. Sorry, I'm done with that. There Uh, are no excuses in in my mind for Texas because Texas, if you go back and you were just to watch portions of that game, you would see opportunity opportunity was left on the field. Texas had every opportunity to win this game and win that fourth. Here's where I'm going because that fourth down touchdown that is dropped in the end zone and no longer counts, therefore turning the ball over. Texas should have been should have been up at some point in the game. Now they may have been trailing, but they would have tied it at 45-45, and then they wouldn't have been forced to go all out when it was um, mm. 38 to 31. They wouldn't, or so you saw opportunity. There is no excuse, in my opinion, for the way that this played out in Austin in front of a home crowd. Yeah, it's a big game. You got to win those. I mean, you got to. I'm done. Texas ran over, but if Texas is back, you got to win those. And, and I'm tired. I, I'm sorry. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see. Well, we played Oklahoma. You know what they did? They played Tennessee on their home court, on their home field, and they won. O- Oklahoma played Notre Dame. They lost, but they went and they they won in South Bend. O- Oklahoma played Alabama, and they won. They won in Norman. They won in Tuscaloosa. Oklahoma has played big teams. 
Florida State. Florida State. So you know Miami. So I, you know, like don't don't act like you're the only team who's done this, and it's okay. Well, and, and the flip side of that coin is Oklahoma never intended to schedule an FCS opponent. No, game. that's but you can't explain that to Joe Texas fan. <laughs> but I'm just saying, don't act like don't act like this loss is okay mm-hmm. because we Oklahoma and Oklahoma played, you know, South Dakota and Oklahoma State played Nichols, whatever. I'm sorry, win the game, win the game at home. That's what you got to do. Yep. If you're back, yep. win the game at home. That's right. So, all right, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, thanks for tuning in. You can catch us at, at Sports Heartland uh, on Twitter. Uh, heartland-sports.com is the website. We'll have more recap stuff coming up this week, Oklahoma and South Dakota, as well as previewing UCLA as the Sooners look out to go out west and uh, continue uh, their season to 3-0. and Jalen Hurts should be a Heisman frontrunner by the end of next week. That's what I predict. Rich, any final thoughts as you chug down some water? And I no, I have zero final thoughts other than uh, it's going to be a fun week as we prepare for the toughest team on the non-conference. Uh, okay, have a great week, everybody. Boomer Sooner.